This is episode 91 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into today's podcast, I want to thank patron Terry Sparks for signing up to support the podcast month after month. You know, Terry's support gets them benefits like exclusive audio every week with the podcast, and it helps keep the show going every single week, inviting some of the best landscape photographers onto the show every single week to hear their thoughts about landscape photography. Thank you so much, Terry, for signing up to support the podcast and keep it going. And also, if you want to support the podcast and get access to exclusive audio, monthly webinars, and other special announcements, feel free to go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up to support the podcast there. On today's show, we're talking with photographer Eric Bennett. I was introduced to Eric several weeks ago through a Michael Shane Bloom YouTube video, and he was never shown in the video, but he was actually mentioned, and that's when I actually first started reaching out to Eric to come onto the show. Since then, we've been introduced to each other both in Out of Chicago Live and also the Outsiders Conference that we were co-presenters in. So I've gotten to know Eric pretty well over the last couple of months, and I was excited to have him on the show specifically to talk about his book release, Conversations with Nature. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. We're here with Eric Bennett. Eric's joining us from Utah today. Eric, welcome in. Thanks a lot, David. Glad to finally be on here. I know. I think we worked on this for what I think we're closing in on six months now. We've been trying to do this. Yeah. And uh, it was nice to meet you at the Outsiders Conference a couple months ago. Yeah, man. That was a lot of fun. I I do have a question kind of pertaining to that, but I want to get into that when we talk about your book. First off, to get everybody on the same page, uh, why don't you tell us kind of your evolution story in photography, what got you into it and how you came to be where you are at the point you are right now. Um, like from the very beginning or take me back to the very beginning. (laughs) All right. Well, we'd have to go back to San Diego, California, uh, around year 2000. Um, I got really into skateboarding and I would skateboard every single day in front of my house from sun up until sundown. And I was just completely obsessed with it. And then uh, when I was about 13, I went to high school and I met other skateboarders and became a part of that whole scene. And they were much more serious about it. And we had a friend that had a video camera. And uh, we'd go places and try to film tricks and we wanted to make a video and everything. And then our groups kind of split up and I was in a group where we didn't have a filmer. And uh, somehow I became the filmer, I think just because I was the only one that uh, had parents that could afford to buy them a camera. And so I got a super nice camera thanks to my parents that was considered professional at the time. And we just started taking it more and more seriously. And my friends started getting better and better at skateboarding. So they were getting recognized. They were getting sponsored. And 
I was always filming them. So I started selling my footage to different skateboarding companies for the videos that they would make. And it never became a huge thing. Like I would just get checks here and there for like 50 or 150 or I think the most I ever got paid was maybe 500 bucks for some footage. But when you're like 16 years old eating Taco Bell or whatever, like that was a fortune. So I thought it was awesome. And uh, it was great to have like money for gas and stuff to go further and go on little trips to Arizona or San Francisco and stuff like that. But anyways, uh, after a while, I kind of started sensing I needed to find some new direction in my life. And I still love skateboarding. I still go skateboard every day. I went skateboarding on Monday for Go Skateboarding Day. Um, But I just felt like maybe filming skateboarding wasn't going to be my career path for the rest of my life. So when I was 20 years old, I went on a a two-year mission for the church I used to belong to. And besides all the things that I experienced there, really it was like a big reset for me because two years later when I came back to the United States, because I went to Panama for those two years, when I came back to the United States, it was just like kind of starting over in a way. And I still have those friendships with everybody that I used to hang out with in Southern California, but I live in Utah now. So I don't get to see them as often and I'm not as involved in that scene. And uh, just living in Utah, I started getting more into hiking and going to natural places. And then I started wanting to travel the world and um, see more places like that. And I brought a camera along with me to take pictures and stuff. And um, as those experiences became more and more valuable to me, I started taking the photography that I was doing more seriously and trying to capture places in a way that conveyed the things that I felt and what made those places important to me so that when I shared them with my family and my friends when I came back, they would be able to sort of relive that experience and understand something that I was trying to tell. So from then, I just... uh you know, from that point, it just kind of, I, I was just sharing my work on Instagram and then put together a website and started uh, selling prints to people here and there. Um, started doing like a little bit of contract work for like outdoor stuff, like brands and things like that, licensing images. And then it kind of just kept growing more and more. And I kept getting busier and busier with paid photography work and making an income from photography. And that's when I just completely stopped doing everything else. And now I'm a, I've been a full-time landscape photographer since uh, 2015 or so. When you were first getting into it, what was like the main income stream that you were seeing? Um, I mean, it, it started slowly. I think that's something that's important to realize. Um, I had a part-time job. I was working for JetBlue and I really didn't work. I would try to get time off as much as possible because they would offer time off. You wouldn't get paid, but if it wasn't going to be a busy day, you could take the day off if you wanted to. And so I would uh, travel places because I could fly for free. And while I was like traveling, I would be getting time off 
And so I wasn't using like PTO or anything like that, but I was able to travel places for free. And so I kind of had like a part-time job and then slowly I started making money with photography. But I mean, maybe, maybe like print sales, which is funny because I feel like I used to sell more prints back then when I was just taking snapshots, like photos that I consider to be horrible now than I am at this point where I'm really proud of my work. Maybe it's just not as popular for people to buy prints online anymore. I don't know what's changed, but I feel like that's where it started, where it started making me think like, oh, wow, I could actually make some money from this. Um, And, you know, it it might be worth pursuing as a career, but it, it happened really slowly, like little by little. So it was more of like an organic uh, journey for you to figure out that you liked it and really that that you could make income from it. Yeah, exactly. It just started happening on its own without trying. And then once it got to a point where I was making more money from photography than the part-time job that I had, and I realized I didn't need to rely on anything else, it was just like a no-brainer to just do photography full-time. Going going that route, though, is that maybe what a lot of landscape photographers who try to go full time and don't necessarily make it or continue working like a part time job? Are they missing that approach to know when to make the leap into full time? Yeah, I feel like it shouldn't really be like. I mean, it's the same thing, like when I started getting paid for skateboarding and stuff, I was just doing what I wanted to be doing and. I wasn't like, oh, let's go film this thing so I can sell it to this company. It was more like we were just filming stuff anyways. And then they started wanting to buy the footage. And then with photography, I was just going places that I wanted to go, taking photographs of things that I wanted to photograph. And just by chance, those things started uh, returning a profit. So I don't know if it's like... um, it, it shouldn't really be like jumping off a cliff or anything like that. It's just, it should be like as gradual of a transition as possible, I think. And uh, I think it's really smart to have a part-time job that gives you money to make it by while you're pursuing photography and maybe not making money doing it. But also that gives you a lot of time off. And, you know, I had this job with JetBlue solely because I could travel places for free. So I took advantage of that and I went to like 30 countries Um, or more while I was working there for like three years. So that, that was a job that enabled me to pursue photography and get started at least when I didn't have the income or the money to be paying for all those flights myself. I want to talk about your book, uh, that just came out and it's called conversations with nature. Why don't we start right there? How did you come up with the name of your book? That's a good question. I'm not sure exactly where it came from. It was just kind of, yeah, I'm not sure. I just um, started working on the book and that was just the title. I decided for it right away. I wasn't like trying to figure out a title. Um, I wasn't like brainstorming and then came up with that. It was just like there and then I kind of just left it and I was thinking maybe I might rename it later, like think of something else. And then I just ended up leaving it like that because it just seemed like it just fit really well with the images and everything that I wanted to say in the book. So 
I mean, to me, a conversation with nature is just you interacting with nature whenever people go out and they see something that calls their attention and they spend a little bit of time observing it. You're having this back and forth conversation. Nature is showing you things and you're reacting to them or interacting with them. And um, since it's a book and there's lots of writing as well um, about my experiences in nature and the conversations that I've had, I thought that was a cool word to use to describe it instead of just like nature photography or pictures of nature or something like that. If people are trying to tap into your brain and your experiences, though, when you do go out and photograph, does it kind of reflect, give you that mirror look into how you go out and experiences the places that you go to photograph? Um, yeah, I think so. That's what I was hoping. Like, I, I always hope that everything I do, well, I mean, I don't hope. It's just like the way I do things, it always has to be like genuine. So there's no images in there that are like, iconic really or nothing in there that i was like oh i need to add this because it's going to draw a lot of attention from people or i need a photograph of this place so that it'll sell better all the work is like pretty intimate and um very personal i think there's only a few places that you might recognize um but yeah i really wanted to show why nature is valuable to me um, because I can be much more specific with that and as a whole show why nature is valuable to all of us and why it's devastating that so many of these places are disappearing more and more each day. And there's um, there are less opportunities now to experience space and stillness and silence and those amazing things that we find only within nature. Well, you keep using the word show. Is it easier for you, or maybe I should say, why is it easier for you to show how you feel through a photograph and your connection with nature rather than maybe verbalize or write down what you're experiencing? Well, I do love writing. Um, so that's why I, I did a book because... I had all these images, but then I also had a lot of things that I wanted to write, um, not necessarily about each specific image, but more about my connection with the different kinds of subject matter, because it's broken up into four parts. So it's forests, deserts, mountains, and canyons. And I just wrote a little bit about each of those environments and why they're special to me. But photography allows me to show things like a quality of light. That's something that you can't put into words or feelings, uh, moods, certain things that I felt when I was looking at something. It's really hard to write about that. Um, it's a, it's a visual experience, which is unique, which that's why we have language. That's why we have pictures, symbols and things because they have, they do different things that, um, are exclusive to one another. So, um, yeah, photography is just, it's just a way to show things that, that can't be put into words. I'm not sure why they can't be put into words, but, um, you know, it's just those things that are, they're ineffable. I think, I think that's true though. I mean, if I look back on my experiences of trying to describe an astounding moment that I witnessed when I had my camera with me, 
to somebody who wasn't there, they're just kind of like, huh, interesting. Yeah. It's like, how would you describe soft light or reflected light? It's like, it's a kind of light where there's like highlights and shadows that are there, but they're not there. It's like, it's very subtle, but it has a dramatic effect visually that you wouldn't have in other kinds of lighting, like things like that. Do you think it's only something that artistic people can appreciate? No, but I think artistic people have the ability to know why they appreciate something. Whereas the general public, they'll like something, but maybe they're not sure why. Maybe they can't break it down and tell you exactly what it is that they're drawn to. They just know it feels good. Can I ask you why you redid the book? So I was working with a publisher before. And I mean, the book, I finished the book a long time ago. I finished it at the very beginning of 2020. And it was supposed to come out in uh, July of 2020. So I was working with this other publisher. And they uh, printed the book the first time and it didn't look right and they agreed with me so they had it printed again and it looked even worse that time and they agreed with me and so they had it printed a third time and each time they reprint it it takes like three months to do so that just kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back and I had already announced the book was coming out when we were doing the first printing and that was almost done just assuming that it was going to turn out great because all the samples and proof prints we had done looked amazing. So in my mind, everything was going to go smoothly, but it didn't. And unfortunately, the third time that it didn't turn out right, it wasn't as bad as the other two times, but I think they were just kind of tired of trying to meet my expectations that I had for the book. And they probably realized that they weren't going to be able to. So they started trying to talk me into um, accepting it. They tried to give me a discount on it, but I just really wasn't happy with the quality. And especially since it's my first book, I didn't want to compromise on anything. I had a very clear vision of what I wanted the book to turn out like, and anything that didn't meet that just wasn't going to be acceptable for me. So I decided to fire that publisher. And of course, I had already paid them half of the amount that I needed to for the project. And the other half was due uh, once I accepted the books. So they had half of my money already, but I knew that I needed to have it done right. So I hired another publisher, which is Jerry Greer, and his publishing company is Mountain Trail Press. And he he saw the other books that this other publisher did and he agreed that they were horrible and he promised me that he could do a much better job. And so we, uh, we used the same design and everything, but we made some changes so that it would turn out better as well, just because he has a lot of expertise. And then I paid him to have it printed there while my money was still tied up with this other publisher. But now it's finally done and it was totally worth it because it looks even better than my expectations that I ever had for it. It looked like once I finally got the finished copy, 
I was just blown away by how it felt and how it looks. And it's just a super surreal feeling when you've been buying photography books from other photographers, seeing books in bookstores, and then you see one that like matches that quality that has your name on it. It's a really strange feeling, but it's something amazing that I'm really glad I got to experience. And I wasn't uh, disappointed at all when I had that. We've had uh, Jerry on the podcast in the past, and he described how the the book process goes from his perspective. I think it would be really cool to get the same description from your perspective on kind of like the emotional spectrum that went into creating a book. And and you can take the other publisher out of it. You can deal just with Jerry's side because because he gave his perspective on how he does things. Uh, what was that like for you? So the book kind of just came together on its own. I wasn't thinking about like in, I can't remember when I first started on it. I think it was like halfway through 2019. So like at the beginning of 2019, I wasn't even thinking I was going to be doing a book. I was thinking that would be something further down the road a few years from now. Um, for whatever reason, it just didn't seem like something that I'd be doing this early on in my journey. And, uh, but then later on, I I just started writing a lot of stuff. And I really enjoy writing, but I can't write at all unless I have inspiration. So the words just come to me and I write them down. If they're not coming to me, I can't write at all. Um, so things just started coming to me and uh, I was writing them down and... Then I started looking through my images. I was like, you know, would it be possible to make a book? If I did, what what would it even be like? How would I break it up? Would it be all one theme throughout the entire book? Would I have different sections? Would I combine different ideas? And just looking through my images, you know, I was like, okay, it's predominantly forest scenes, mountain scenes, canyon scenes, desert scenes because of where I live. So I was like, that'd be a great place to start for my first book. Maybe I could make other books that are more specific later on. But right now, I might do something that shows more than one place. And it just kind of started taking shape. This forest section came together. This desert section came together. Then the mountains and then the canyons. And I was really happy with all the images and how they looked together um, in a book format. So then... I didn't do anything with all the writing that I had done, but once I saw the images, then more writing came to me and it became more just like about writing one essay for each section. And before I was writing down like all these individual thoughts and things, thinking I was going to do it like that. But then once I saw the images, the writing changed as well, but it just came to me and I wrote it all within like three weeks or so. And then like my part was done. I had already done the design and everything. So I just had to hire a designer to put it together so that it would be printable because I didn't want to risk like doing it myself, having something crooked or having margins off or anything like that. So I paid somebody to just put it together as a printable PDF. And um, after that... Um, 
I mean, if you're going to print a book, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think it's good to allow yourself a lot of time, even more than you think you're going to need, because you want to have time to fix things and change things and not feel rushed and feel like you have to just stick with something because you're out of time and you need to start selling it. So basically, when you want to print a book, you create the file first. And I had a sample book made, which was super expensive, but I just wanted to see what it would look like printed with the cover and everything before I paid to have the entire print run done. I just wanted one book so I could see. And so to me, it was worth the money to do that. And once I saw it like that, I actually made a lot of changes to it that I think were really good. But there were things that I wouldn't have recognized had I not printed a sample copy before. So then when you're ready to print your book, you have to, um, they have to do proof prints first, which are printed digitally. It's different than um, offset printing, which is how you would print your entire print run. So they send you these digital proofs that are printed with inkjet. Basically, you make sure that the colors look great because contrast and brightness, those kinds of things change when you're printing on offset printing, which is completely different. And then once you've approved the proofs, they print all of the pages and then they send you an unbound copy. So there's no cover or anything. It's just the loose pages. And you can compare those to the proofs, mainly just comparing for color accuracy. And then if that all looks right, then you have them bind the books and that takes another three weeks or a month or so. And then once they're done binding the books, they'll send you an advanced copy and you can see what the book looks like finished. And then the rest of the books will be sent from wherever they are. Mine are, mine were printed in uh, South Korea. So they're coming by boat right now. And that takes four to six weeks if everything goes well, but with delays right now because of the pandemic and everything there's a lot of shipping delays things getting held up in ports it might take longer but i think everything just takes a lot longer than you think and that's if you don't have any issues and so when i started having issues it was just adding more and more time because i had to do that whole process every single time that they wanted to reprint the book they'd have to do new proofs then they'd have to do new folded and gathered copies and then they'd have to bind them and then they'd have to redo all that again if it didn't turn out right. You said you're pretty strict on how you wanted it to turn out, um, but you were also pretty flexible on how you wanted to write and gather the images. What do you think attributes to the difference in the two? Well, as a professional photographer that teaches people, photography and I also teach a lot of post-processing. I make tutorial videos about post-processing. I'm very meticulous and I'm very precise when I edit my work. So when I finish editing an image, it's because everything is where it needs to be and nothing needs to be changed and it's exactly how it should look. So when I'm printing work and it doesn't turn out that way, I don't want to release that for people to see because it doesn't look the way it's supposed to look. So it didn't make sense to make a book 
with images that don't look the way that I had intended. So I was really sensitive about that. Does making a book mean you made it? What do you mean? Like you've made it, like you're there. Where am I? (laughs) You're on earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel Um, like a lot of landscape photographers like aspire to do that. For sure. I think it's a great thing to do. And I think if you're a serious photographer, you should absolutely do it. At least even um, maybe you don't want to publish a book and sell it. Make one just for yourself. It's not that crazy expensive to do, but um, it's super gratifying. I love printing my work because it's like a tangible end product of your image. I feel like the print is the final product from when you start creating an image in the field when you print it out that's like the end of the process and then a book is just like a collection of prints and yeah it's an amazing feeling to look through something knowing that it's yours and you're happy with it hey guys real quick i want to talk to you today about the sponsor for the landscape photography show and that is near zero backpacks now in near zero backpacks we've been listening over the past few weeks about how they've developed this lightest camera backpack on the market that you can actually get today i want to tell you about something really special their sustainability impact they are actually a one percent for the planet company pledging to give one percent of their total sales to outdoor organizations that create a healthier and longer lasting outdoor environment something all outdoor and landscape photographers like me and you listening can get behind also last week you know when we talked to sapna reddy we listened to how their fabrics are really really tough and really abrasive resistant now those same fabrics specifically the vx21 is a 100 percent carbon neutral fabric and the epl 200 is partially made from recycled polyester from fishing nets and actually doesn't have that like polluting fluorocarbon in the fabric itself so you can rest assured that you are actually supporting the environment when you're purchasing a near zero backpack if you want to learn more about near zero backpacks you can go to near zero labs.com and if you're ordering one be sure to tell them that david johnston sent you from the landscape photography show and without further ado let's get back to today's episode having the introduction and foreword written by your friends william neal and alex noriega what does that mean to you that your friends in photography are willing to put their name their stamp of approval on something that you've created it's incredible i was just um dedicating i have some advanced copies so by the time this comes out i think i'll be shipping the book to everybody but um i sent out some advanced copies to people that were involved in the book um and so i sent one to william neal and i was dedicating it for him writing in it and i was just trying to tell him how crazy it was that he was a part of this and how much of an honor it is to share his name on the front cover as well, right underneath my name. And I became friends with William Neal because of this project. He just um, acknowledged that he liked my photography before that. And so I, I was trying to find somebody to write a forward and 
he was somebody that I really looked up to. And so once he acknowledged that he was on my website and he enjoyed my photography and my writing, I, I wasn't super convinced that he would do it, but I felt like it was worth a shot to email him and ask him if he would be willing to write the forward. And I own some of his books as well. So I was telling him, you know, he's been such an inspiration for me to make a book of my own and how great it would be if he would write the forward. And he's, super nice and he was willing to do it and that's that's amazing to me because it's just like it's great to if i care what people think if i care about like what anyone thinks about my photography it's my peers it's the photographers that i look up to i don't really care what the general public thinks i don't care what strangers think but photographers that i look up to when they say they like my work that's then that's a great feeling um even though I have my own convictions and when I put something out there, it's because I love it. Just hearing that somebody that you look up to connects with it as well is incredible. And so Alex Noriega, that was awesome too, that he was able to write the introduction since he knows me and we've been friends for several years now. And that's another relationship I'm super grateful for because not only are we great friends and he's awesome to hang out with, but he's a photographer that I've been looking up to ever since I started. And it's surreal that he's like a peer now and that we share work with each other. Like we critique each other's work when we come out with new stuff before we release it. And just like all the guidance I've received from him since we've been closer friends and more in communication with each other has been invaluable to me. So that's awesome as well that he was able to be a part of this and and I have a lot of other friends that I look up to, like David Thompson, Jimmy Gekis, um, Hans Strand, like way too many people to name that I would love to be involved in my future books that I do. But for now, it was awesome to have William Neal and Alex be a part of this first one. Who else did you reach out to to get their feedback? On the book? Yeah. Um, I showed it to... Ron and Sarah, who I really look up to. Um, I took it out to Colorado with me last year, like the sample copy I had, and I showed it to everybody I was shooting with, like Eric Stensland. He has made a lot of great books, so I really wanted him to see it and hear what he thought about it. I showed it to Matt Payne, uh, Kane Engelbert, guys that I shoot with that I'm a fan of their work as well. Um, I showed it to David Thompson because he's my mentor and everything. I don't think there's anything I make that I don't run by him first because I really value his opinion. And he's always given me great pointers on how to improve something when it doesn't quite look right. And, uh, yeah, I, sh I showed it to quite a few people once it was like almost done while I was working on it. I didn't really want to share it with anybody because I kind of just have this thing that when I'm doing like a bigger project, I don't like to talk about it at all until it's like done or like almost done because once you start like telling people about it, it's just, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, you feel like you don't want to do it. You feel like you're still accountable, like you have to do it. So I hate to talk about stuff until it's like actually happening. Um, so I, I really saved it until it was about to come out to start showing it to people. But then, unfortunately, it didn't come out right, and it took like another six months. I mean, it, yeah, it's been 
it's finally coming out now and it's been a year since I first had it printed. How do you hope to leave your mark on the landscape photography community with the book? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I wrote it or made it for the photography community. I hope that everybody will be able to connect with it because it's really uh, dedicated to mother nature. So it's just my humble way of expressing my appreciation for nature and hoping that by sharing that with others, their relationship and their desire to grow that relationship will grow and become stronger and their appreciation for nature will grow so that people can, there can be more people that are interested in taking care of the planet and saving places that are in danger of being destroyed or developed. So it's really kind of just for anybody, because I think the whole world needs this message that we depend on nature and that we should take much better care of it. I know we talked about that uh, on the panel we did for the Outsiders Conference in Utah of conservation through photography. And then you and I talked at pretty great length, just kind of off the cuff about it later on. Um, Whenever I see a post from Art Wolf, though, who presented there, it was like the keynote speaker. Uh, The only thing I can remember is just like you standing in the back corner, shouting out questions to art at the end of his presentation. What, what about him and, and his, we can stay on the book topic, like his diligence in creating books and topics inspires you because I know you pulled so much inspiration out of that. Yeah, I mean, after his presentation, when he said he was taking questions and the room was just silent, I was like, okay, I'm going to take advantage and I'm just going (laughs) to keep asking him questions. Um, What I I took away from that that inspired me was just, I mean, he said, like I asked him, how long does he usually spend on a typical book project? Like when he comes up with something to where he finishes and he said like 10 years. And I think a lot of those overlap. So he's working on several at the same time. So it's not like he comes out with a book every 10 years. It's just like um, he has several projects going on at the same time, which is pretty incredible. That's something that I'm not super good at, but also I asked him, you know, how do you come up with an idea for a book or is it like, do you come up with the idea first and then you go and try to shoot images that match that? Or is it more just whenever you're out photographing, things kind of start to form and an idea comes like from the images. And he said it was that, which was really cool because that's how this book came about and kind of how my next books have been happening. Cause I'm already working on those. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was just super inspiring how he's just still going. Like he's been doing it for 50 years and he said that he's still just as excited about it as he was when he first started. And like all that, uh, his presentation was so awesome. Like just how he explained how he was inspired by different eras of painting. And then he showed the images that he created out of that inspiration that kind of mimicked those styles, which I think it's so cool crazy how he just draws inspiration from everything. I think I was limiting myself a lot by just 
looking at photography to draw inspiration for photography mostly, or just like when I'm out looking at nature, interesting things that I find, like those inspire me, but I never really thought about like studying painting or like poetry or other forms of art and trying to recreate those things in photography. And it's so cool how he just like always sees things around him and not just in nature, like he'll see rusty metal in a city or random things like that. I think it's so cool how diverse he is because he just always has that turned on. Like when I'm in the city or when I'm um, at home or not out in nature in the wilderness, I, my mind still composes things around me, but I never pursue it enough to take a picture, like get my camera out and create a photo. But he just like is creating photographs no matter what his environment is because he's so creative and he's just always seeing amazing things within the mundane and the ordinary. That was mid-June or mid-April, excuse me. And and right now that the time we're recording is is June 25th. From that point, how have you expanded your inspiration to kind of pull in some of the things that you learned from that? Well, I honestly haven't been shooting that much since then because I have a four-month-old baby and I'm trying to hang out with him as much as possible because that's just been incredible. I know you know what that's like. Your daughter is like 10 months now? She's 10 months. Yeah, awesome. It's just that alone is like entertaining enough right now. But um, I've been looking through older images, processing images that I never really gave a chance, things like that, uh, looking through my older files and also just going out on hikes around home, but not really thinking about photography, but I always bring my camera and I've actually created some images that I like that way as well. Um, I went to Olympic a few weeks ago to do a workshop um so yeah it's harder to get out of the house now because i just want to be here with my son especially right now that he's changing every single day but i've noticed that i have a desire to explore new things in photography i kind of realized that while my photography may be somewhat unique um to me right now it feels kind of like i'm not really doing the same thing, but just kind of always thinking the same way and uh, not really doing anything that's like really like way outside of that. So I've been thinking of more ways that once I start doing photography more or as I look through older images, ways to be like extremely minimalist maybe or explore things, uh, ideas that I haven't really explored fully before this because you kind of just find what you like and then you just stick with that because it's fun and you enjoy it. And I mean, I'm, I'm still going to keep creating the same kinds of images, which I don't even know how you would call them, but um, I don't know. I at least kind of noticed a notice a certain kind of redundancy in my work and I'm just trying to be even less literal now and uh, shoot things that are less ordinary or, make ordinary things look extraordinary. It's, it's kind of the same thing I've always been doing, but just I want to go like even beyond that and explore ideas that I just haven't even touched yet, which I, I was made more aware of by watching his presentation and looking at all of his images he shared. Would you consider yourself a challenger? 
like I like to challenge myself? Yeah. I think so, for sure. Um, like I was just explaining to my wife the other day why I still skateboard and why I find it rewarding. And it's because when you're out skateboarding, you're trying to learn new tricks all the time or do tricks that you do all the time on new things. And so you try and try and try and sometimes you fall and you slam and you have to come back days later when you're feeling better and keep trying again. And it's like this battle that you have with yourself. There's no, there's no point system. You're not competing against anybody, but you are trying to execute something that you have envisioned in your head. And so I think I kind of approach photography the same way, but, um, yeah, I, I never want to become stagnant. I always want to be learning new things, creating new things, sharing new things with people and making a unique contribution to the world. I never want to just feel like I'm doing the same thing as everybody else or the same thing that I've been doing for the last 10 years. I would love to constantly be evolving and discovering more about myself. And also as time goes on, you discover more about nature. Even when you return to familiar places, you see them in new ways. And I think that is something that is very rewarding about photography the relationship you get to build with nature by having these conversations. Is your wife creative? I think she is, but um, she doesn't paint or anything and she doesn't really care to take photos. Um, she's created lots of kids, so I think that's pretty <laughs> creative. <laughs> Something you can't do, I mean. Yeah. In terms of relating like skateboarding to photography. Um, I mean, I kind of, I kind of related at the beginning of, of my journey relating sports psychology to photography as well. Does it give you a stronger edge when you are out in the field and you just can't get something right? Um, I wouldn't say that ever really happens. Like, um, I'm much more flexible with the way I approach photographs. I hardly ever envision something and then try to go find it. It's more like I see stuff and then I start getting ideas from it. And then I create photographs like in the moment, like depending on what the light is doing or the weather conditions, I'll be looking at different things and that'll dictate what I shoot. So it's not very planned, but I feel like I'm really grateful that I grew up skateboarding for a number of reasons because I mean I can jump across a river like boulder to boulder super quick I can run across a log super fast like I'm agile and uh, I have a lot of balance which really helps me I see other photographers kind of fumble around when they come with me and stuff but um other than that just I think it has given me an edge in that I love to push myself physically and I always like to see what I'm capable of. I like to find my limits and then pass them because then you create new limits for yourself. I like, I always like to find those, um, you know, I always like to find the limit of my creativity or my physical ability or what I believed was possible and then pass that and prove myself wrong. Like I love doing that. I love pushing myself like that. And, also, 
skateboarding um the thing is like with photography what i love about skateboarding is if somebody does something really cool you can't just go and copy them like even if you do the same trick it's going to require you risking uh your safety you might get hurt doing it you're going to have to use a lot of physical energy Whereas once somebody creates a photograph, it's really easy to replicate and you don't need to put your body on the line like you do with skateboarding. So I kind of miss that because in skateboarding, like nobody copies each other at all. So I'm just used to doing things that are new and doing things that are different. To me, it doesn't really make sense to copy people because, you know, I, I come from a skateboarding background where that's just, you just don't do that. It's not worth it to do the same trick as somebody else and risk slamming on your face or going to the hospital when nobody's going to be excited about it because somebody already did it. It's like, you may as well do something new instead of, you know, that unnecessary risk just to do what somebody else did and no one's going to care about it. Is that why you turn to mud cracks so much? <laughs> um, Mud cracks are just awesome because I love patterns and you just find patterns all the time in mud cracks and they're always different somehow. Where can people go to find more out about you? Bennettfilm.com is definitely the place that I always prefer people to check out my work, check out my latest projects, uh, galleries, all my images. I have lots of writing on there. So if you are interested in learning more, that's definitely the place to go. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us and uh, talking about your photographic journey. Yeah, thanks a lot, David. Glad we could finally put this together. Yeah, I think you've been doing a great job with the show. Thanks, man. That's the end of the episode here, what you're listening to right now. However, over on Patreon, the episode is continuing to go. You know, over on Patreon, we continue the conversation with Eric, not only about his book, but also kind of like what drives him in landscape photography. We talk about some of Eric's favorite skateboarders and how they were influential for him, even mentioning Tony Hawk and how he has impacted Eric's journey in landscape photography by having him support some of Eric's projects and much, much more. You know, every single week we have these exclusive discussions that last from anywhere from like 15 to 25 minutes of bonus material that only patrons for the Landscape Photography Show podcast can get access to. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, whether you support a $5, 10 or $20 tier, you get multiple benefits based on the tier that fits your budget. Every single tier gets access to the exclusive conversations that we have on the podcast. So if you're interested in signing up, you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget. I can't wait to see you guys in next week's episode. Until then, keep shooting.